With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Slumber Party Live. We have a very special guest today, my buddy Alex Wise. If you want to hear bonus interviews with Alex and bonus interviews with Jessica Vosk, Eden Espinosa, Lemon from Canada's Drag Race, and so many more, subscribe to my Patreon. The link to that will be in the comments, or you can go to patreon.com slash teammurray06. If you become a subscriber, you can also get early access to my videos. If you already are a subscriber, thank you so much. You're helping make this podcast possible. Enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for a very special episode of Slumber Party. One of my goodest Judies, a dear friend of mine <laughs> that I have known for a very long, long time, since the early 1940s, I have known my dear friend, and you know him from uh, Lysistrata Jones on Broadway, Death West's revival of Spring Awakening on Broadway, his award-winning web series with Wes Taylor called the indoor boys which he won an award for and of course the bold and the beautiful and one of my favorite cast albums of all time triassic park the musical please welcome to the stage alex hi (laughs) hi tim alex hi i have so many questions for you i i just want to chat with you i want to i just miss you a lot in my life yeah it's good to see you it's really good to see you too how are you doing you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, 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 uh, I'm staying creative and I'm keeping my hope alive and doing all I can to move through my grief and, <laughs> and you know, and, and try to, you know, have as uh, decent of a life as I can given all these circumstances. So you know what? I'm okay. And I have a lot to be thankful for. And number one on that list is Bernadette my Peters. And singing. nephew. Bernadette Peters. <laughs> my niece and nephew, Bernadette and Peters. <laughs> <laughs> we did name them Bernadette and Peters. And I say we because it was a community naming. You got together with the fam and you said, <laughs> all right, here you had a whole brainstorm list. There were index cards. You said, right. okay, what if Bernadette was the first before right. Peters? And you gotta have a second because we're setting it up, you know. We're set right. We have a setup, and we need the punchline. <laughs> yeah, very good. This is a comedy. This is a comedy lesson for all watching. <laughs> yeah, have two kids, so one of them could be a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. I want to actually have three kids because jokes and threes, and I would uh. need my three children sarah michelle and geller oh get the hell out of here you're a menace to society that's really great <laughs> or i know what she did last summer is a good name for a reward this is a real october edition of, <laughs> of slumber party isn't it okay october edition are you a spooky scary person <laughs> do you watch person. Do you watch scary movies? Um, you were looking for the right descriptor for me and you landed on person. That's what just happened. You're like, 
person. Okay. <laughs> Are you a spooky, scary actor? <laughs> Are you a spooky, scary podcaster person? I, you know, I, I um, what's funny is I was kind of spooky and scary in September. I spent, <laughs> I don't know why, I was just in the mood. Um, but you know, sometimes during this period, I've watched a lot of emotional movies so I could feel things. And all of September, I watched... 30 horror movies. 30? Truly. I would watch, there were some days I would watch three a day. (laughs) I don't know. It was, you know, it was kind of like a research thing. It started off that way because I was trying to, um, I've been uh, brainstorming this like horror movie idea. So I was watching all these horror movies, but then I kind of got on the horror movie kick and I was just like, just just cramming with the horror movies. It was really fun and and nothing that I've ever indulged in before. So I was happy to um, get to know a new genre. But anyway, I kind of horrored myself out. I horrored myself out. Had a love app. I and so now uh, uh, now it's October, and I'm like back to watching The Office or whatever. But... <laughs> Wait, I love that because. I think it's so, there's something so fun and so consumable about scary movies. And I think for me, I don't know if you have this experience, but I really love them because people are like, why do you want to be scared? And I'm like, when you're, when you write your own stuff, mm-hmm. it's ha- kind of hard to watch stuff without thinking how you would, and you direct a lot of your own stuff too. So it's like kind of yeah. hard to take your mind off of that. But when you're scared, it's sort of like watching reality TV because when you're scared, you're like, you, you don't have the, the wherewithal to be like, oh, I would have like tweaked that or I would have written that yeah. line differently. You just get you to... A very, it's a very visceral experience or can be. And yeah. that's, that's fun to be. It's a different kind of release too. Like crying is a release and laughing is a release and so is being scared and, and you know, moving through that. It's a different kind of catharsis. So I think it's really interesting. I never thought of it that way before. That's such a good point. That's a, it's like a feeling that, we're, that we are naturally feel as being scared so you might as well yeah, make yourself like a different kind of release you know uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a late night show <laughs> <laughs> it's past 6 p.m in la it's a late night show we can say kids what are we bad. kids are in bed kids are in bed do you think yes or no to these for me um i think um yes i every the, the, first off you know your angles and i want to say that and i want your viewers to know that you know your angles <laughs> Um, and I'd say, I'd say a, like a hard, maybe. <laughs> the other option for title of that, a hard, maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, they're cute, but I would do a, uh, yeah. The lenses are too one. thin. I would do one with a thicker lens and a lighter frame. A black frame is too, um. Mark from uh, rent. Yes, yeah, too mark from rent on your face. <laughs> <laughs> you're feeling a little mark from rent on my face um yeah. <laughs> can i tell you a true can i tell you a true story real quick sure are people watching this or are we just talking to each other <laughs> people are watching but that's kind of the beauty of podcasts when it's your friend it's, it really feels like you're just okay i have no other. idea because i can't see any of the stats or anything whatever but i just i feel like so stop me if i start saying like deeply personal things please that, <laughs> I feel like i'm just on a zoom with you you know i know please say deeply personal things It'll only it'll only make the viewership rise great okay um uh, Wait, was it? Oh, okay. Senior year of college. I go to the eye doctor. It's winter break. We're doing rent for for the spring musical. 
I go to the eye doctor and I say, I need a specific type of glasses. Jesus Christ. I, I got my prescription glasses to look like Mark glasses. I go back to school in the spring. I've paid a lot of money for Mark glasses. I start yeah. walking around with scarves on, like to voice and speech and to movement and even to like, um, you know, uh, cultural anthropology. I make it my brand to look like Mark. And that's the, just, that's the kind of actor you are. <laughs> uh, I, I come in costume. Yeah, very method. And by method, we mean he comes in costume. Exactly. <laughs> that's what people mean by method, right? Like, that's what, like, you know, Marlon Brando would do. He would just come in costume. Come in costume. Come it's, in costume, it's, yeah. it's a doctor movie. He wears a white coat. He's exactly. method. Yeah, method actually means that if you're a straight man, you're just mean to everybody on set. That's what method acting actually is. So great. Good for them. So you were saying? I did a high school, high school tour of Romeo and Juliet with method actors, a non-equity no. tour of Romeo and Juliet with method actors. And I was Tybalt and the guy playing Benvolio, who's still my good friend to this day, was yeah. method. And he um, decided that his character wanted nothing to do with Tybalt's dead body, but there were only nine of us doing the show. So he had to carry me off stage and uh -huh. he would drop me backstage and fall to his knees sobbing. So I would like land on my tailbone <laughs> from like five feet in the air. That is horrifying. <laughs> method actors, straight method actors are horrifying. They're horrifying. They're horrifying people. Quote me, quote me on this. Quote me. Uh, method acting is. I, quote me. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Bring there that. There could be a whole a whole podcast on why method acting needs to stop. Jesus. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I didn't get Mark and Rand, and I was stuck with those glasses. So I like that you you so you went method, and then you you didn't get it. You didn't book. <laughs> but you know what? You had the costume, and isn't that what acting is about? Because at the end of the day, you have the costume. That's really all it is. <laughs> I can flip my computer at you. <laughs> you know what? He got, the he got the costume, though, but he got the costume, so it's fine. He got the costume. What? Oh, he didn't get paid? No, but he got to keep the costume. But he got the costume. He got the costume. That's right. He got the costume. Um, speaking of that, I yeah. tweeted that Joan Cusack should have won an Oscar for um, Adam's Family Values. Uh, for everything. For, ev for everything. Yeah. And so many people in the comments were like, she should at least gotten to keep kept those clothes. <laughs> really yes they was, those were amazing outfits right they were very like uh stepford wife tailored right isn't that what they were exactly I, I remember like a white thing with like a i don't know i don't know wardrobe where it goes like and it was like and then you know um yeah you're just doing gimmick from gypsy that's what we just did <laughs> That was the costume plot design for Adam's family. You got Adam. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's a great drag name. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Gimmick from Gypsy. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a great drag name. That would yeah. be good. Oh. Okay, we have fans in the comments are asking all sorts of questions. So I'm going to okay. jump over to there. Sure. Um, Michael Bullard asks, Alex, oh, <laughs> You know you're aware. I don't. Aware. He says I don't love Scare Scare, but I'm trying to watch more with Tim. What's a good one that's not like too Scare Scare? Well, I've I have a couple recommendations for that because I don't like things that are like punishing the audience. You know. Oh, I, girl, don't get me started. 
Yeah, like I, I like scary movies, but I don't want to just, I don't want to be tortured. I want to be, I want to be titillated by the genre. Yes. Don't give me Saw, don't give me Midsummer. don't give me Hereditary. No. Th- those well, are my like- I will say though, I will say though, if you're gonna give me Hereditary, Tony Collette better be in it. So it's, it's gotta pass. Um, Always give me Tony Collette. That's, that's, that's fair, that's true. Sure. But, but okay, so there's some great like horror comedy movies. There was one I just watched on Hulu um, that came out last year called, uh, I think it was called Little, I'm, pretty sure, Little, I'm pretty sure it was Little Monsters with Lupita and Yango. Um, someone fact checked me on that. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And it was so much fun and it was horror comedy. And it's essentially, uh, it's about Lupita and Yango who is a kindergarten teacher and she's trying to keep her class safe from the zombie outbreak. And so she's, she's sort of life is beautiful-ing for them. You know, like it's a game. That's a verb. Life is beautiful-ing. Life is beautiful-ing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's like pretending yeah, yeah. it's a game, you know. Um, and Wait, that sounds it, great. It is. It's great. It's totally charming and fun, and it's not really scary. It's just like li- sort of living in the genre, but it's still like a comedy. So anyway, that's my recommendation for something great to watch that hasn't been talked about too much. Wait, I love that. I, I remember seeing the trailer for that, and then I never watched it. So I'm definitely going to put that on my list. Yeah, and. Right She's Lupita is going to come up later in this podcast episode for our very special segment that I'm only doing with you that we will we will get back to. So um, sure. hang on. We just watched The Babadook for the first time. Oh, that's Have you a seen great that one. Movie. I mean, I, I've obviously heard about it. So you know, you've you've seen so many people dressed as the Babadook at gay well, prides for the last icon, as you know. <laughs> is, is it is that how that happened? That it accidentally got filed into the LGBTQ. Yeah, I, I believe what happened was there was, <laughs> I think what happened and correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, on the Netflix categorization, they accidentally put Babadook in there. And so people ran with it and they were like, well, of course, Babadook, the gay icon, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and Twitter had a, a pretty fun time with that. And I found it totally hilarious. That's a that- great movie in its own right. Oh my God, I, I only knew the, the gay Twitter joking about it. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess we'll, we can, we'll put this on. I mean, it is fabulous, that movie. Yeah, she's, it's so, it's so good. So that's my wreck, if anyone's out. It is very scary, though, I will say. I was like, truly. Yeah, fucked. that one doesn't have uh, many laughs. Not a lot of laughs. But if you're looking for campy and fun and scary, just rewatch Scream 4. And I mean, what a treat. What an That's absolute what Glory Metcalf, right? That Scream 2, which oh, okay. also is fucking amazing. That one's yeah. so good. But Scream 4 is Hayden Panettiere, Emma Roberts, um, and it's like... Is the, that the movie in the movie? That's three, which is... Oh my god, I got... <laughs> hang up on me. I don't know my screams. <laughs> you gotta know your screams. You gotta, if, you're, if you want to be someone in this town, you gotta know your screams. <laughs> Headline tomorrow on TMZ, Alex Wise doesn't know his screams. <laughs> I'm so lucky. You yeah. have to watch Scream 4. It is... So basically what happened was uh, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox, the like trio of the franchise we're like we're stopping it and Wes Craven the director was like we're stopping at three we're not doing any more don't care how much money you offer us this is it this is the end of this franchise 10 or more years later Kevin Williamson the writer is on set of Gossip Girl because he was the showrunner and he sees them uh doing something with their phones that triggered something in his brain about narcissism 
and fame and he literally jumped up in his seat and was like everybody stop uh continue the day without me um and like handed over his showrunner duties to like his assistant and was like i have to leave right now and ran home and like left the set of gossip girl and wrote scream four in like a couple hours and because he had this genius idea and that's all i will say you just need to watch it it shouldn't have happened it shouldn't have worked and yet it is truly an awesome movie it's so okay. yeah I'm, i'll probably watch it then tonight i mean i re- i will please text me when you watch it because i am yeah. I, I could not believe how how good it was and i've watched it several times since and it totally holds up we, we have a question in the comments for you from Eliza Kammer wants to know, Alex, what are some of your favorite theater memories from Cleveland? I love this question. Uh, um, hi, Eliza. Um, what are my, some of my favorite theater memories in Cleveland? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, why don't we start talking, Tim, about like how we met? And then I'm sure that like some, some things will, um, some memories will come up along the way. Because I have That's a good 18 idea. years of, of theater going in Cleveland. So this is actually a really fun story. I was auditioning for Cedar Point Amusement Park in Sandusky and the boy standing in front of me in line to audition, there were two boys, uh, Kyle Brunzel and Ben Fankhauser. And so I was chatting them up, trying to become their friend. And uh, And it didn't work. (laughs) And it didn't work. They were like, get away from me. I'm not interested in this. Uh, so then after the auditions, I did absolutely amazing, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the auditions, maybe, you know, what was it, six hours later, I go to see Rent in Cleveland, starring Adam Pascal and Anthony Rapp. And I see Ben there with you. But and, I, and, and Max Chernin, right? The three and of Max us, Chernin! The three of us went together to that, yeah. Oh my God, Max. Yeah, so I see the nosebleeds, I remember that. As, we, as did we, and I remember it being so good and just yeah. being like, damn, it, they, they, it was so fun seeing those, you know, Rent is one of those musicals where you like listen to your whole life growing up. So seeing those men play that was like so cool. And I, I saw you guys from a distance. So I went to friend what I thought was Ben Finkhauser and the boy who was next to him at Cedar Point, Alex Wise, because you came up in pictures and I thought, I thought you were Kyle, basically. So I friended you and then sent you a message and was like, oh my God, were you at Rent tonight? And you were like, yeah. <laughs> who are you? Who are you? And I was like, I don't know, but I think we should be friends. I saw you with Ben Finkhauser. And then we just started. Um, we all started chat, hanging out, right? Chat. I think at first we just started chatting online for a while and found out we had like a lot of stuff in common that we loved. We like had both read the play, speech, and debate, and we were like chatting about that. And then you were doing that play, right. I believe. And then I went to go see Lost in Yonkers in at the Cleveland Playhouse a few, couple years later. We had only like messaged on Facebook a little bit, and then a couple years later, I saw Lost in Yonkers and at intermission i was like i know that guy and i like opened my playbill and i was like oh my god that's my facebook friend and so then i messaged you and then we then when i moved to new york city from there uh, we we hung out in cleveland we, we hung out in cleveland though yeah 
That's right. We hung out in Cleveland after Lost and Yonkers. And then when I moved to New York, we became think, fast friends. I think during that time, because I remember you came over to my house when my parents were moving out of it. And I think that my mom was like trying to give things away to anyone who was in like a 10 mile radius. So didn't she like, they gave you stuff, didn't they? She gave me a huge stack of CDs. That's it. I knew it. Yes. A big stack of CDs. I still have one of them. And because it was Celine Dion's greatest hits. It's in my car. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I remember us sitting in our, like our, our study and uh, we called it the study, like the library, computer room, whatever. And uh, I remember going through all the CDs with you. And I think that must've been the first time we really hung out. That was, that was. Yeah, and you got a goodie bag and everything. Oh my God. Thank you for the party. Thanks, Alex's mom. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, yeah, but anyway, that brought up some theater memories, didn't it? Um, Speech and debate. Um, <laughs> what shows, what shows yeah. did you do in high school? Uh, in high school, okay. Um, well, the first high school show I did was when I was in middle school because they did MAME and I was uh, young Patrick. And so they brought me into the high school and boy, did I feel like a star, you know? <laughs> but it was really special, you know, and I got to like play with the big kids. It was it was really cool. You must have felt so cool. I've only heard of that happening like a couple times in well, high school theater history. Uh, in seventh grade, they made the whole seventh grade go to this, like, stupid fucking nature preserve for three days. And, you know, where we'd, like, learn about leaves and do things outdoors. And I was just like, ah, uh, and well, you know what? I was in tech. So I was the only <laughs> person in my grade. I went for one half a day. And I was like, I have an out. I'm <laughs> I was like, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> like leaving my class behind. It was like, I, I have tech, have a wonderful time, and goodbye. You know, and they were all there for fuck three nature. Days. Yeah, fuck nature, fuck everybody in my class. <laughs> I was in tech with the high schoolers. <laughs> so, so that was really fun. And then, okay, so then my high school shows, I did, um, I did uh, Godspell, uh, Merrily We Roll Along cabaret and Pippin. whoa 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 yeah don't bury merrily we roll along in the middle of that list you're a what one of two high schools in the history of the world <laughs> took on that show i mean it was what it was talking about <laughs> i was charlie and it was i mean it was really rough but like but you know we had a read a really great theater teacher it was just like we were high schoolers we couldn't do merrily roll along no i was like franklin shepherd Inc. <laughs> which is like out of rhythm like it's like dun, 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 dun. and you're like no oh, no i i don't want to lead anyone astray i was great but um <laughs> but um as a but, sophomore oh uh, no that one i was a junior as a sophomore, I was the MC in Cabaret. That was cool. As a sophomore? Yeah, she got around. Honey, I did it she in was heels. looking early. And I did it in heels. Oh. <laughs> backwards. She did it backwards. <laughs> in backwards. Heels. Yeah. backwards That's what Ginger Rogers taught me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Your second two children, Ginger and Rogers. <laughs> yeah. You got to have two kids, so one of them's a joke. <laughs> That's called a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into this comedy podcast. 
<gasps> Wait, okay. Yeah. Jolene in the comments wants to know, thank you, Jolene. What was your favorite scene to film from Indoor Boys? Oh, okay. Well, let's see. I mean, I have a lot of very vivid memories because that that whole thing, we did three seasons. I, I don't know if there's going to be more in the future. You know, as of right now, no, because there's a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but let's see. My favorite scene, but I have so many, that's all to say that I have so many, like, big memories about that. So I'll just tell you about a few of them. One of the coolest was the dinner scene in uh, season two, because it was the very last thing we filmed and we'd worked so hard on all this stuff and it was so fast and furious. And, and so then we finally get to this thing. It was just, it was the end and it was all of our main actors and we were all sitting together at a table. I actually got drunk because there was a thing where I, had to take a swig of the wine and they were like, should we fill it up with grape juice? I was like, I'm fine. I'll do like a take, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like five weeks later, I was just, you know, I was, I was smashed. Um, And I was, and it felt so special because it was everybody just at their climax in terms of we were all so comfortable together and we were all having so much fun together. And I was at a table with Carolee Carmelo and Vianne Cox and, and many others I respect and love so much. And uh, so that was a total joy. Um, I love that. Is there anything better than creating something from your brain, putting it on page, and then being able to just make it come to life on your own? Uh, I, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's like overwhelming, you know, because uh, what I can't believe is that people wanted to do it with us. You know, Wes and I were just so like, oh, we got to make something. We, we have to do, we have to do something. We have to put ourselves, we have to drive ourselves to action. But the fact that anybody wanted to be a part of that with us, that was so cool because we just want to like work with people who inspire us. And, and so we did. So we surrounded ourselves with so many outstanding people and actors. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. I have several questions for you in my notes, but two of them are similar. One is are just the words Vian Cox and the other ones are just the words Carolee Carmelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good questions. Very good questions. <laughs> well, I, well, I can tell you a couple little anecdotes. Like I met Vian Cox. I'll tell the abbreviated version of the story because it's actually a very long story where I play the role of Vian Cox, which I do very well. Um, but, <laughs> but I met her at an audition for a Snickers commercial and audit wait did I say all the words an audition for a Snickers bar commercial I met Vienne there we went in together like she played my I don't know she played my mother or something we both did terribly and she was having a particularly bad day and she was like why am I I, why am I at a Snickers bar audition (laughs) and uh and I was like hey Vienne Cox you're a genius and she was like (gasps) so so then we became friends that day this was probably five years ago you know I've loved her work forever um she's just such an so it was really cool then to be her friend and so then when indoor boys came along we we knew we were writing our moms for season two and Wes brought on Carolee because they did Adam's family together and they were really good friends and I was like I have someone I know who I want to work with. And so we sent Vianne an email. We, we showed her the script. We said, we wrote this for you. Will you please, will you do this with us? And she said, yes. And it has been the great, and you know what? She got an Emmy nomination. So that's pretty fucking cool. That's amazing. It's that's, wild. 
something you wrote got yeah. one of your favorite actresses in Emmy nomination. Like yeah, that's, that's really that's amazing. And Cara Lee, she won the Indie Series Award, and so I mean, we're I, it was just the coolest. I I couldn't believe that these amazing folks wanted to work with us. So I say that you should all write things because you know, especially not many people are writing things for me. Yeah, I've I've had I've been blessed in this industry so far and I've done some really cool things. Felicity I, Felicity uh cuts off her hair was was written for you, a sketch on the Tim Murray's YouTube channel. Oh my god, I forgot. I thought you were just making a weird joke. No. <laughs> yeah, so the only other time was when um a 2013 <laughs> sketch. Yeah, which we were both beautiful in. Um, yeah, but you should make your own stuff because the only the only one who's gonna really and unless you're one out of a million, the only one who's gonna really make something great for yourself, who's gonna write the vehicle of your dreams, is you. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that uh, we are our own best advocates, and we have to advocate for ourselves. And that's even in like private ways, you know, like what I was saying at the beginning of this. Um, I'm, tr- I'm doing everything I can to stay creative. And part of that is in my own head, I'm advocating for myself. I'm being, I- I'm saying to myself, I can write this and I can do this. And I have driven myself with some awesome writing partners um, to make things. And one day people will see them, but I'm just so happy that we're making stuff and keeping our creative juices flowing, even if it's over Zoom. Yeah. Even if it's over Zoom. I yeah. love that you said that. And I hope everyone listening really takes that to heart. I, you know, have written stuff for myself forever since I, since college was over, I guess. And it's, it can be daunting. It can be hard. It can feel like, oh God, I don't know what I'm doing. You, the self-doubt comes in. But I was actually meditating this morning and the tape I was listening to meditating, they said, um, it was specifically about self-confidence. And the woman said, you're born with confidence. You unlearn how to be confident. So you need to relearn. You need to recondition yourself. There's, you know, there is no reason that you can't create and put stuff out there and show it to the world and uh, be proud of every single thing that you do other than letting too many other uh, outside sources put self-doubt on you. And I think that's so true. Like, any they're the only person stopping you is you like we all have our own production companies on this very platform that we are streaming from right now (laughs) like yeah that's very well said you know and and i i had to i really had to learn how to be i had no self-esteem when i was young I, i i knew i was good enough to keep trying to keep going to to keep trying but I was sure I'd never get anywhere I was sure everybody would just take a crap on me and and well into my um you know my my late my elderly teens (laughs) I just in later you know I just it's taken me a long time to uh feel like and I still get really scared sometimes but I to, to feel like I can do stuff I can do this I can write this web series but when Wes and I made our first episode I tried to convince him not to put it online I was like you know what maybe it's just best we we don't why because I was terrified yeah I was terrified and I just thought that I'd just get made fun of 
and nobody, no one would like it. And they'd be like, oh, he tried to make something? Fuck that guy. I, and, and, I, and, and even if people are saying that, I, I've just had to be like, okay, fine, screw them. Because what's more important is the kind of joy that I've gotten from making it. You know, that's more, that's more important than the way people are receiving it. Granted, I've been fortunate that people have received Indoor Boys well, but they've not received everything I've done well. I wrote a musical that was in Nymph years ago, and I was just cremated in the reviews. I, <laughs> it was uh, so rough and so hard. And for many years, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not a writer. Maybe I'm not a writer and I need to just stop. And, or if I write, it's private, it's for me. I can't put it out there. And it was because of Wes helping me find my self-esteem that uh, that's one of the things he did for me is that uh, he said, we can do this. And so now I'm, I'm doing it and a lot more. And I have a lot of things waiting in the wings now. So. That's so cool. And that I'm, I'm just so, as your friend, I'm just so happy and inspired by that because it, it I totally understand what you're saying. And I, I think we all have felt that experience and it's like, <sighs> it's just so interesting that we are, we allow that self doubt to often take over because like, I remember years ago, you telling me that about the reviews about your show, but you know, we were friends. So I didn't want to like fully fan out at you. But in my head, I was like, I listened to Zoo Lullaby, a, this, a song from the show that you wrote, like on my like, like 14 hour drive from Cleveland to Miami, Florida and like loved it. You know, and it's, so it's just like, it, it is so easy to focus on the criticism and that I think that's human nature that we focus on the negative stuff that we get. But I've been thinking, it's like, it really is just about putting it out there, creating stuff. And I think a big key to that is, and this is fucking hard. And this is something I'm actively working on during the pandemic is to not judge what we're seeing as much if I'm now I'm trying to work on if I see somebody post something if I see something get put out into the world the only time I, I'm trying to let myself judge it is if I'm thinking critically how I could take what that was and do it how I would want to do it hmm. but a lot of times I will think you know the initial thought will come to my head where I'll be like somebody will post something a, a video that they did and I might think like that's not funny or uh you know whatever it is that that comes to my head that thought is only hurting me. That thought is only making me, when I get on stage to do stand-up comedy, is making me think in my head, fuck, they're not gonna think, they're gonna think I'm not funny. Why? Mm -hmm. Because those are the thoughts in my head. So of course that's the thoughts in everybody's head. Yeah, because it's the same voice, it's that same judge and it might attack other people, but then it can equally just attack yourself. Mm -hmm. It's the, it, I think all the time about, I spent my first New Year's Eve in New York City with Colleen Ballinger, Miranda Sings. And I think about her so often because, man, she just ran with it. She just, you know, like, didn't let anybody say, like, this isn't uh, stand-up comedy. Like, this isn't set-up punchline comedy. And yet, she, like, redefined what comedy is for, like, an entire generation of people and now she's worth millions of dollars and she got her own TV show and she sold out the Kennedy Center. And it truly doesn't matter what anybody thinks of 
what any any of us are doing. All that matters is, are you having fun? And is this what you want to be doing? And I think uh, as like, especially as theater artists, it's like we can be very critical of ourselves. But yeah, it's like to to an extent, like, how is that helpful? It's like, if we're going to get those 10,000 hours in, you got to get them, you got to be doing it. Well, is that 10,000 hours of practicing? Is it that? that yeah. Thing? Yeah. The quote is like, uh, your taste level is here and your uh, ability level is here. I love but that. You're always going to look at your taste level and be like, this is how good I want something to be, but this is where your ability level is. So because your taste level is so high, because you're thinking, I want to make a movie like Titanic because it's perfect, <laughs> but you're thinking like, well, I can't make a movie like that. I, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Um, you don't make the short film and you don't make the web series and you don't pick up your camera and make, you know, the, the front facing camera video, comedy video to get, to put the 10,000 hours in to get to making Titanic or yeah. whatever that, uh, you know, you, to get your ability level to match your taste level. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like the reason a lot of us go into this stupid profession is because, there are things that we love because I think I think what drives us to become better is that we have good taste you know there are things I like that I want to emulate that I see out there in the world and what can I do to make myself closer to those artists that I love oh that is so great and to that point I, I just want to say like having the good taste thing I think is just something I want I want to keep working on and thinking about because the defense I've always had for it is like well, I should be critical of things because it's not fair to August Osage County if I go see another play that isn't as good and, uh, you know, I say that it's spectacular. No, August Osage County was spectacular. Like, I have to have, I have to have my... You have to, like, maintain, you have to maintain your rank, like your inner rank. Right, 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 your inner rank. But I'm trying to figure out how helpful that really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a tough thing, but I think ultimately the best thing to do is like try not to judge anything that we're seeing and just, uh, or at least just appreciate that somebody worked hard enough to put something out there into the world. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good lesson is, is like, uh, no matter, even if something is just a pile of poo, someone worked just at probably for the most <laughs> most likely worked just as hard on that pile of poo as somebody did on citizen king you know yeah. both of them took the same amount of work just one turned out a little better right <laughs> right 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 so and what's just- how the world goes yeah and what's crazy about that as well is like uh you know i can take my camera and make a defying gravity reaction video watching women singing defying gravity and that took literally two minutes and 30 seconds total sure um and it blew up and you know uh, has like seven hundred thousand views on tiktok and has made a lot more people watch this youtube stream but uh i can work for 10 years on my screenplay and nobody ever sees it so it isn't you you have no control over it you just have to do what's making you happy in the moment and try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my, that's my TED talk on, on creativity. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are.
Um, so many questions in the live. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Okay. Um, Jolene asks, what's your favorite Death West Spring Awakening memory? Uh, my favorite. Which I saw that show twice on Broadway and it was so, so good. You know, it's funny before I guess before I answer that question, that was one of the most profound and incredible experiences of my whole life. But most of the strongest memories I have are when it was like really awful. <laughs> like remember, <laughs> that, like uh, remember that strange relationship and that terrible day and that thing that happened and that thing and the affairs, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but but it's funny. It's uh, but um, so it's fun. It's just funny. But I still think of it as like this is one of the best things I ever did. Uh, one of my favorites, okay, here's a good one, is that I remember before our invited dress, I sat, I went to sit in the, this was like an hour before it started. And we were about to, you know, the first preview is the first performance, but really the invited dress kind of feels like the first performance. They're different, but I don't know, the first time you really do the show is the invited dress, and it just feels like so much and so intense, and it, it, it essentially feels like, well, we're opening. I remember uh, I was with Sean Grandillo, and we were sitting in the very last row of the balcony and looking down at the stage, I think, like, with our mics on, and we were, like, half in costume and getting ready, and we were about to go backstage, and I was like, Sean, I, I remember saying to him, I don't know what, what the hell I said. I said something like, Sean, this is kind of, this is it. Like, this is going to be, like, remember this moment. Take this moment in. Because, like, this is, tonight's, like, it's happening. And he was like, tonight? I thought this was just another rehearsal. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, everybody who's, like, on Broadway and all of our peers, they're all going to be in that audience watching us. They'll, they'll all be cheering, and it won't be judgmental. It'll be good. But tonight is the night that it starts. And I just remember taking that moment with Sean and we took a picture, the two of us, which I think is on my Insta, of us like in the balcony, just kind of just remembering that moment, like the moment before it all started and feeling like, uh, like we were about to do something really special. That's really and then, beautiful. And then we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful. And, um, my favorite memory of you in that show is my favorite tweet of yours, probably of all time, when uh -oh. the show was closing. Uh, th there, a new show was going into that theater, and you said, and "You said, should I? You said, should I clean out my dressing room or just let the waitress clean up after me?" <laughs> that is so funny. I've repeated that to so many people because I think it's so funny it's a solid joke and it's so sassy oh. it's so it's sassy. sassy i used to be a little sassier on social media back when we could be back when we could back be. in the day back in the <laughs> day time we go, time we go. um i've cleaned up my act um <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a good one and i think it's funny like when waitress was coming in we were essentially closing we, we had a limited engagement but waitress had the theater from before we started they oh. had the theater for the spring or for like the late winter and they were going to open so we could have the theater but it had to be a limited engagement 
And so we went into the, so we went in and always feeling like, well, enjoy it till waitress kicks us out. (laughs) So we were telling a lot of waitress and waitress, you know, I ended up being into those who don't know. I was, I ended up being in waitress some years later, which is the gag of the season. (laughs) But um, but, uh, it was fun to kind of jokingly rag on them for a second. You know, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, and you also were in Wicked as yeah. Bach. Do you know that show? Have you heard of that show? Um, that's the one with the founding right. fathers and that's the rapping. It. And yeah. the rapping. And sh- the main character has a has like a um fist <laughs> has a fist. <laughs> um, uh, wait. Okay. Uh, my question for you is: yeah. Who are your alphabets? And by that, I mean, who have you, who did you see as Alphaba when you saw Wicked? When I first saw Wicked? How many times have you seen Wicked? <laughs> well, okay, let's see. I've seen it on Broadway, separate from my experience being in it. I saw it on Broadway three times, just to see it and see some friends. Like, I went and saw, I think I went and saw Alex Brightman in it. I went and saw, I, I'm friends with all the box. It's all the box. We know each other. Um, I went to see Itai Benson in it. Um, and who, and then why did I go a third time? I think I just had a ticket and I went or something. I don't remember. Um, but I think I saw Jackie Burns twice. She was great. She Uh, is everything. Yeah. She really is great. And I don't remember who I saw the third time. Oh my God. I know. I think I... You know, they were free tickets, and I think we kind of, you know, a little of the, you know, we kind of... <laughs> Had some water to hydrate in case I needed to go on. We hydrated before. We hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, but yeah, then when I was in the show, I did it with Jennifer DeNoya, was Elphaba, who, and she was brilliant. She was an incredible leader. And Haley Pachoon was Glinda, and she was equally as wonderful. And I really loved doing it with the two of them so much. Uh, and I, and my whole run, I did it with those two ladies. You introduced great. me to Jennifer Denoya, and I have been going on a deep dive on YouTube. She's, and she's really something. That voice is spectacular. It is, and she's and you know, really I, good. acting is even better. like we've all seen an Elphaba with the pipes, mm-hmm. who's just you know, walking through no good deed, like these aren't the highest stakes of her life. Right, right. You know? And no one wants to see someone who doesn't give you the full Stephanie J. Block experience. <laughs> Can I tell that story about you? Sure. <laughs> Alex and I used to watch Drag Race together at our friend Preston's place with our mm-hmm. friend Andrew. The four of us would always get together and we were so hyped up because this was all stars two days. So when the show was over, we couldn't just go home. We were like riding high on adrenaline. Yeah. (laughs) And Alex would always bring a cheese plate and it was very fun, very fun times. And so then we started watching a lot of YouTube videos post drag race while we were sitting around. And of course we would watch a lot of Alphaba videos. Yeah. What else? Do I, what's changed, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's a life. That that's in life now. now. 
continue. So we're watching these videos and there was a video back in the day, a few years ago that no longer exists on YouTube. Stephanie J. Block singing <laughs> The Wizard and I. And as it is happening, we are literally not breathing. We're just like, we're watching this. The, the amount of storytelling happening in this three and a half minute clip was so wild that we literally were like, couldn't, the stakes were so high and no one was talking. And then suddenly Alex screams out as if it was word vomiting from his mouth. She goes, she's like, um, and I'll stand there with the wizard feeling things I've never felt. And Alex screams, this is happening to her. <laughs> This I isn't acting. This no. is happening to her. This is this living truthfully, truthfully in a moment that she created. And I, I felt that. That's, that's what that was. Yeah. That's what that was. Yeah. Alex Weissman asks, okay, but who did you see as morable? <laughs> <laughs> I know every morable I've ever seen, honey. You just gotta... Yeah, of course. Every, Every little, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Rolodex of morables, you know. <laughs> Would you die at the stage door if there was a little girl dressed as morable? Just like, <laughs> I'm here for morable. I'm here for morable. Sign I'd be like, girl. I want to know that girl. Yeah. Who, what's your story? Um, what's going on here, future? Yeah. Character? What amazing character actors are you going to grow up to be? Right, right. Um, okay. Well, I did. Uh, who I did it with Kathy Fitzgerald. Do you know Kathy? She is truly a genius. One of the funniest people of all time. She was Roz in 9 to 5. Heart to heart, right? That's why I was like, I know this person. Yes. She was Shirley Markowitz in The Producers. Um, she oh is God. a genius. She also was in Indoor Boys. She was in our book club scene. One of my favorite Indoor Boys memories is filming with Kathy Fitzgerald, and we were ruining her takes because we could not stop laughing. I mean, most of what she did was just this drunken improv that she was creating <laughs> on the spot. It was so incredible. It's just, it was an incredible moment watching her do it. And so, I love yeah. that so much. Yeah. I did Summer Stock with Jan Newberger, who was the nurse on the original Broadway cast album of Wicked. She's the one that goes, unnaturally green. <laughs> The, the wait, wife, the something wife, the midwife, the yeah, the midwife, midwife that's the it. midwife. Um, and I, you know, I'm obsessed with the album. I know every single person on the cast album, sure. and I, I never told her. I was you just did. like, we would just kind of like, you know, walk from the theater to the dining hall. And you'd and like stand just... in the corner, just like filming her. <laughs> I have several videos of just Jan Newberger like eating eating a sandwich <laughs> during rehearsal. No, guys, it's her. It's really it's her. Really her. <laughs> we were so obsessed with her in high school. My straight male friends who I did theater with that there was a girl at our rival high school named Jan Smith, and we called her Jan Newberger. <laughs> so gay she'd be like i is so gay she'd be like i don't know are you making fun of me like i don't know what that means and we'd be like no it's a compliment <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So bizarre. Jan Newberger. To this day, like, what was that? 45 years ago, I could get a text. I'll randomly get a text from that group of friends that just says Jan Newberger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there are no small roles. You, you are proving, you know. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 I have a very special segment for today that I'm doing only with you. I honestly don't even know. Okay. I do know where I got the idea. Okay. You won an award and gave an, a, a speech for I mean, many. Which time? <laughs> <laughs> Best actor for the indie series awards for uh-huh. indoor boys. Uh huh. Yeah. When you were giving that speech, were you like, "This is the moment. This is like what I've what I practiced in the mirror as a child. This is what I did. This is what it did." Was it like all the feels, all the good feels? I I had no intention of winning anything <laughs> that, <laughs> that that night. I was just like, "I am here to lose and then get very drunk." I mean, I just thought there was there's no chance in hell on this. You know, I'm here. I am this beautiful nobody. Um, <laughs> they're not going to give it to me. There's actors in this category. I'm just a model. <laughs> Tim, I want you to know you are my favorite model. Category is super. You know. <laughs> category is super. <laughs> um, I, but you know, I, I've of course, I of course, like over the years maybe in some inspired moments have run over in my head. I've run over some children with my car. I've run over some things I've wanted to say, you know, if I were to ever win anything. And, but I, I didn't think I'd win. And so I, I, I really did just kind of speak off the cuff because the one thing that I notice about award shows is I just despise watching somebody's speech that they're like reading and they're reading the list of names and like I just don't care and my very favorite award show speeches are the ones where someone is surprised and thrilled and just like talking about what this means to them and and saying thank you and so that's what I tried to do in that very crazy moment that time that 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 one of one of the several many times one of the Uh, that one not but there were but that one, that's what I so that yeah. time. And before this podcast, I tweeted out, I texted you and I was like, is it okay if we do this segment? And you're like, sure. I was like, I want to know, I want to talk to you about award show speeches because that is exactly what I love too. When it's like, when you're just seeing like someone's true shock and joy mm-hmm. wash over them is, I think it's so exciting. And so I tweeted out uh, my favorite award show speeches and if if you have one i would love to hear yours but i'll tell you mine oh yeah you have yeah. Me- you- okay great oh and my- by the way i just i thought something just crossed my mind like when you say when you're winning so kids watching when you win your awards one day which you will um when you read it's good to thank people who are important to you but reading like the lists of names if you read a, a name you know who's going to be happy that one person whose name you read but if you speak from the heart, you know who's going to be happy? Millions. <laughs> that is such a good, that is good advice. And what I always think when I'm watching those shows is, yes, yes, this is a magical, important moment for this individual, but this is a television show. You, you actually yeah. 
yeah. like now you are doing a show. So yeah, like, make good TV. Make good TV. And like and Michelle, like, Michelle so Williams punch gets someone. that. Punch someone. Like, punch you know, someone. <laughs> throw a drink in someone's face. <laughs> Flip a table. Flip a table, scream. You're, you, are you, I, because I am, you are not that kind of girl. You could never have a sugar daddy. I don't have a sugar daddy. If I wanted a sugar daddy, yes, I could go out and get a sugar daddy. Why? Because I am what? Sickening. <sighs> Do something like that when you get into work. <laughs> that was outstanding. Wait, 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 I know I've heard that, but I can't place it. Shangela right. and Mimi, I'm first. Right. Okay. I, thought, I, thought, I was thinking drag. I was going to think of what. Okay. Um, favorite award show speeches? Yes. Okay. I was on a soap opera. <laughs> I'll get to the awards show speeches thing in a second, but let me read from my resume. <laughs> That's really what I just did. <laughs> um, I was on a soap opera for a year, which is a choice. Uh, sorry, just real quick. Before we get into the awards show speeches, <laughs> can I talk to you guys about the 2012 New World Stages production of Bear? <laughs> I will get... I will get to your questions, I promise. <laughs> oh my god, it let me so hard. Um, no, uh, okay. So I, I was getting, so I knew nothing about the soap opera world. But I got this job and I was just like, I gotta figure out what the hell is going on here. <laughs> and so I started really watching soaps to figure out like what is, what is happening to my life. Um, what, what, what? And and there was, and I started getting into like the daytime Emmys and like watching those speeches and figuring out like, oh, and those are the politics of it. And like these are, and I kind of, and I ended up attending the daytime Emmys. And I was just like, that was, it was this new segment of award show mania that I was experiencing after years of having watched every single Tony Award speech. And I've seen every Oscar speech. And, but I started going on the deep dives of soap operas. <laughs> And so my favorite award show speech, which some of you may have seen because it's really famous, but it's when Susan Lucci finally won her Emmy Award in, I believe, 1999 or so. And it is the most epic, magnificent speech I've ever seen. I think it's seven minutes long. And she really had been practicing it for 20 years. I mean, the history of this win, if someone says like someone's the Susan Lucci of an award ceremony, it means they've been nominated many times, but they have never won. And that was the case with um, Susan Lucci, who was nominated, I don't know, like 17, 18 times. And she finally, something like that. And then she finally won after two decades in that business. And so people went wild. The crowd was on their feet for two minutes and she said, and the end, of, and I'll, I'll just, I'll quote some of her speech because I like it so much. I've watched it so many times, but she says, and finally, I want to thank the fans. I was only supposed to be on every other Tuesday, but because of you, I'm here. And I promise to never let you down. I'm going back to that studio on Monday and I'm going to play Erica Kane for everything she's worth. <laughs> Just the drama and the tears. And there, there are many, just there are many um, different uh, things she talks about, many pathways through this speech to arrive at that climax. I and mean, it's, it's incredible. So that is my favorite. That one. is amazing. I'm so glad. I did not think of that at all when I was 
doing my worship speeches, but of course, that's such a good one. And for those of you in the chat watching, if you were born in the 90s, like, I don't mean to talk down to you, but like, you truly don't understand how much of a cultural phenomenon this was. Like, you couldn't, before she won, you couldn't watch The Simpsons, you couldn't watch Friends, you couldn't watch Seinfeld, you couldn't watch anything without, at some point, someone making a Susan Lucci not winning joke. Like, it was... It's a thing. A thing. It, it became, like Alex was saying, like a catchphrase. Like, oh, she's, she's Susan Lucci. Like, it was totally like everywhere. People say that now about, like, Amy Adams and her Oscar nominations. And she's been nominated so many times. It's like, oh, she's going to be the Susan Lucci of, the, you know. It was it's, such a huge thing. So when she won, it really was, like, I mean, it was it's headline news. Oh, I have, to, I have to rewatch that because that. And everyone's is cheering. Funny. She goes, oh, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> there's also an amazing interview with her i forget who she's being interviewed by but i love soap operas i was my whole my family was a super days of our lives uh house so i didn't really watch susan lucci but i you know knew of her yeah. and so we would sometimes watch those interviews and there's an interview with her where they're like has anything ever have they ever written anything too crazy that you thought you got the script from the writers and you're like this is a little i mean i know soap operas are wild but this is a little crazy and she goes yeah when I was fighting a bear and <laughs> I got in a fist fight with a bear and I won. I thought this time they might have gone too far. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Oh my God. Oof. Okay. Thank you for bringing that into the ether because that is beautiful and so fun. My, I think my favorite of all time speech is Sutton Foster's second Tony Wynn. She thanks her dresser, Julian, who's going to Cape Cod to be an artist, and he's going to be an amazing artist. artist. I mean, he's the greatest artist ever. <laughs> it's such a great speech. It's so beautiful. I, like, could cry thinking about it. She's literally, you know, doing the uh, regular, uh, you know, thing you do when you're doing an award show you're thinking the the person you're seeing and uh you know your director and all that stuff and then when she gets to julian she's like he's leaving me on monday <laughs> which is a good thing which is a good thing and she starts sobbing crying and she's like he's gonna be in a minute to make that moment that huge moment in your career about your dresser about says so much yeah it says so much about her as a person and it says a lot about the relationship between women and gay men in theater. And it really touches me deeply. <laughs> it's so... Sutton, if you're here, sound off in the comments, okay? Oh, yeah, Sutton, Sutton, let us know. Sutton, let us know. I did, months <laughs> after that, get hit on by Julian in a bar in New York <gasps> City. And he, he's, he's flirting with me. And, and he goes, I'm Sutton Foster's dresser. And I said, you're... Julian and he was like yeah and I was like you're she thanks you in her speech and he was like oh you saw that like he was so like he was like what I was like it was it was so much so that I that I was just gushing over him and then he was like okay uh, that is so never mind (laughs) that's a sweet story oh my god so fun um thank you guys so much for joining us in these comments and Alex, thank you We're so much. We're done, are we? We're going to pop on over to the Patreon for uh, anyone who wants to 
watch on there. The link to the Patreon is in the comments and the Patreon will be up in the next few hours. But before we go, I do want to play a slumber party game with you. You remember these? <laughs> yes, of course. Do you want this? So this is a, a fortune teller. I'm going to tell you your fortune. Do you want right. to know your um, wicked fortune? So this is what would happen if you're in wicked or your gay fortune. <laughs> this is what would happen if you were gay. If I was gay. If you were gay. If I wasn't wicked, if I was gay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to make the wrong decision here. We're going to um, do both, but... Okay. <laughs> right, great. Let's start with let's start with wicked. Great. Okay, your wicked fortune. Pick a color. Red, blue, yellow, or purple. Um purple. Also, you know lemon from Canada's drag race? Yeah, why don't you have green on there? That's the wicked one. Oh yeah. This is, is this the wicked one? This might be the gay one. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> purple. <laughs> I had lemon on here from Canada's Drag Race, and she goes yellow, yeah. of course. And I went Y E L L O. I saw that clip. I was dead ass serious. I was dead. <laughs> she was like, "There's a W, you stupid bitch." Okay, P U R P L E. One, eight, five, or four. Uh, um, five. One, two, three, four, five. Oh my God! Here it is. Your fortune. Two, seven, six, or three. Two. Oh my God. Here's what's going to happen to you in your future. <gasps> your cast. This is the gay one. <laughs> I like that. Go on. Your cast on All Stars 6 Queen, but you get tired after the first mini challenge and you send yourself home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awful. <laughs> What a triumph and what a what a failure. What is I let my my inner self saboteur win. Your self saboteur. I mean yeah. literally we're literally watching seasons of drag race now where the girls like walk in the entrance door and then they're like I think that'll be enough. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to hit the road. Thanks everybody. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much. Um yeah. thank you guys truly so much for joining us. Uh Alex, where can the people follow you? Oh, just don't. <laughs> Honestly, just, I don't want, just don't. <laughs> don't follow him, but do watch Indoor Boys. Yeah, watch, go to indoorboys.tv. Um, thank you so much. This is such a blast. And if you want to see more, we're going to play a bunch of slumber party games. Oh, 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 before we go, what were your slumber parties like growing up? Um, well, I did one with the Cleveland Cabaret troupe. And were they worshiping you because you were the star, the MC? No, no. But I mean, I was in ninth grade, but it was at my house. We held it in my basement. So the entire cabaret troupe slept over in my basement. Andrew Cobra was there. Andrew Cobra was in it. Uh, I don't think Ben and Max were yet in it because they were a year behind me. Uh, Did you go to high school with them? No, we were in different high schools, but we were. Okay. I've known them since I was a kid because we were all doing shows together. I love that. And now you've all been on Broadway. Come on, Cleveland. Sure. Come on, Cleveland. So anyway, that was one. But what were they like? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll tell you about a party I had real quick. 
This is fun. I had something in 2005. It was called The Light and the Piarty. And it was when Light in the Piazza aired on PBS. And so I had my friends over and we had like Italian orders. <laughs> and when they walked in my front door, I put a rocking horse there. <laughs> and it said like, happy birthday, Clara. <laughs> And I went like, and I had a hat hanging from the air. Like I was like a full light in the piazza themed party with like Italian meats and cheeses. Am I laughing too much? Oh God. Oh my God. So stupid. It's so embarrassing. Oh God. I'm at the party right now. Um, yeah, can you come pick up your son, Max Chernin? Uh-huh. Why? The pony kicked her. <laughs> Here she fell. <laughs> we have to go. This has to be the end. I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> the light in the PRD. <laughs> I did. I had a light in the PRD. Woo. I'm furious that I let you on this podcast. <laughs> I let you into my life oh. at all. Oh, you should be. Uh. Oh, that is uh, the best. That might be the best story I've, I've ever heard in my whole life. That is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, for more stories like that, and we're going to play more slumber party games. We're going to play Mary Fuck Kill, and I'm going to give Alex a would you rather uh, over on the Patreon. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. Um, like and subscribe this channel. Okay. Uh, bye. Let's have a slumber party. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.